0: Fuck is up, world. back. We back in this bitch. Another podcast. Getting ready to rock after about a two week hiatus. I know that I've been saying that I'm no longer going to be taking these extended hiatuses. And I promise this is the last one, wa- for now at least, okay? The last one in these extended period breaks. And honestly, the only reason why. It's because of the motherfucking rona dog the covid coronavirus okay and i i i know at this point many of us myself included are slightly maybe perhaps burnt out on the rona discussion but in fact if you look into the statistics into the viewership ratings of the news right the news is having a motherfucking field day the news corporations toilet paper companies uh, hand sanitizer corporations they're just loving this coronavirus shit you know what I'm saying um However, I know like everyday individual people like you and I may be a little bit burnt out on the Rona subject. Okay, so it's not the intention of this podcast to discuss it. Um, and at least from a lens that you've been um, perhaps being over over in uh, in in. I'm sorry, my cat's about to jump on my lap, and I'm just anticipating her to claw the shit out. There it is, right there, of my thighs. Right, it's not going to be in the sense of being over inundated, I should say, with the same typical fucking fear mongering um nonsense that you know social media definitely uh news in itself is you know predicated upon and i'm going to just try to discuss it more from a philosophical lens okay uh hopefully from the hood philosophy lens that you've grown to uh expect from me personally now before i do that though i do want to take a quick moment to say what's up to all the people who are listening uh especially those of you all who are just tuning along right definitely also to those of you who have been following along my my a1s from day ones you know what i'm saying but uh, also definitely to those of you who are finding me from, you know, various podcast sites and perhaps even the the, uh, social media, you know, what's up to you. I do appreciate you following along for those of you who have not yet to do so. I urge you please uh, OG ice uh, OG underscore ice nice 13 on the gram and also something along those same lines on Facebook and Twitter. I've actually started using the Twitter again, but mostly at this point for my students. So uh, if you get on there and you see a complete difference from, Gotta throw my cat away she's over here messing with my book structure <laughs> um if you see the difference between the twitter and the instagram you'll understand why right it's that typical fucking, uh meme that's been circulating for a while with a, the four different pictures according to the four different social medias right the what is it linkedin facebook twitter and instagram or uh, uh instagram and um uh tinder right uh, i don't have a tinder but uh, I definitely do. I don't, I don't have a LinkedIn either. But what I'm trying to say is that you can see the distinction at, the, at least certainly between the, uh, the 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 Twitter posts and the Instagram post. Okay. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's just get straight into the fucking podcast for today, right? Like I said, I'm gonna try to situate this bitch in terms of the Rona. Okay. Now. Uh, I'm going to discuss it from from the philosophical lens that I discussed a little bit in my last podcast, right? And that was in discussion of the conspiracy theories. And the reason why is because if you see here, right, I've actually got a chance to crack open this bitch right here, the book on conspiracy theories, uh, going through it, the secret cults and societies and all that kind of stuff, right? And the reason I'm going to do it again, not not from the same lens that I discussed the previous one, just in case you're wondering, but is because just uh, a couple days ago on Monday, I had my first in-person, in well, not in-person, online lecture for my uh, uh, colleges, you know what I'm saying? And it was one of the first questions that students asked me. It's always one of the first questions that students asked me. Now, I don't know, maybe if I've primed them, me personally, myself to do so, but chances are, it's probably because a lot of them are also pretty conspiratorially inclined, you know what I'm saying? But the point is, that I'm trying to say is that the fact that it was the first question, one of the first questions rather, to uh, be asked to me, it was one that I feel is necessary to address just a little bit further. And that was the question of overpopulation and the sense of whether or not the coronavirus is a form of population control, right? Now, obviously, for those of you who are hip into the conspiracy theory game, you'll know full well that there is that conspiracy theory that's been, you know, it's been circulating for a long fucking time now about Bill Gates and how he's profiting off of, you know, these viruses that, you know, that that affect individuals and that he personally has pushed an agenda to try to depopulate the world. Uh, he's gonna frame it in the terms of saying that the Earth's one of the greatest challenges that the Earth is currently facing is overpopulation in terms of resources and that the scarcity in resources and also the leading to things such as uh, a global climate change are can be mitigated, if you will, by uh population control essentially right the less people there are the less resources that they're going to need in order to sustain themselves and that the produ- the less p- uh, resources they need to sustain themselves the less production goes into the 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 manufacturing jobs if you will that are being blamed rightfully so in many instances i should say for climate change right so that's kind of a little bit along the lines of this logic for bill gates okay and um but From another lens, taken from another lens, it's pretty creepy because you start to see that the most countries that he's focusing his population control on are, well, the continent, the entire continent of Africa, but also India. You know what I'm saying? So it's just typical, you know, white saviorship, masked, or rather, I should say, it's typical... Gen, uh, white genocide or colonial genocide not white genocide that's something complete that's a complete other conspiracy theory that i really don't give a fuck about right that's the white people conspiracy theory saying that uh people like myself uh, and other people of color are slowly leading to the extermination if you will to use their parlance of white people you know so that, that that's why they use to justify their their white power kind of shit you know what i'm saying but what i'm trying to say is that uh it's this typical european colonial fucking uh, uh Holocaust genocide, if you will, that's masked in this white savior complex in this instance, Bill Gates, who's coming along and passing off the, the 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 vaccinations as this thing that's supposed to be helpful for individual people when in reality it's actually leading to their overall decrease in population numbers. you know what I'm saying? now uh at face at first glance, this may appear to be patently absurd, absurd rather, until you start looking into Bill Gates history and you start to realize that, oh shit bill gates father was the fucking head of planned parenthood in the united states at one point now me personally i don't give a fuck i don't it's not about an abortion it's not an, it's not about an abortion uh, uh debate what i mean by that is it's, it, i'm not trying to engage in the pro-life or pro-choice right that's one of those fucking questions that obviously as i've discussed before it's so problematic and so deeply value-laden that to try to uh, dismiss it in one simple statement would be irrational to do so, okay? So what I'm trying to say then is that putting aside what, uh, what Planned Parenthood is most known for, because many people obviously don't know, that they provide many other important services to women, especially those in lower economic, socioeconomic uh, uh, classes, right? Uh, with all sorts of medical healthcare, okay? But um, one thing that Planned Parenthood is accused of is being this organized way of trying to quote unquote exterminate the black and brown populations in the United States of America. I think the lady, I forget her name. Uh, the founder of it has been quoted as saying that that was one, I mean, she was an avowed white supremacist, you know what I'm saying? And that that was one of her, one of her stated goals. So, um, in that respect, you know, we start to realize that, okay, so this person, obviously his father, was already involved into that world. And now that he's overtaking it and fucking globalizing it from uh, uh, on a global scale, you start to ask yourself, okay, well maybe it is this fringe conspiracy theory, or as uh, one person who I hope is still listening to the podcast accused me of and wo- accused, I guess I should say very kindly, I will kindly say it, right? As a loving critique that he left, I should say, uh, uh, uh Q dribble nonsense. Okay. When I was posting a little bit of this conspiracy theory shits, which I don't blame him, it was a lot of Q dribble nonsense, but there's a little bit of truth in there, interspersed, right? And, um, the idea is where you take it to this globalized level, and you know this Bill Gates person, influenced by his father, starts to try to uh, uh, implement these fucking depopulation programs. Now, furthermore, where it starts to get even more creepy is you start to realize that people like Bill Gates, on top of you know, the 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 on in I should say. In, uh, in these efforts, they actually fucking, they, they profit off of these these viruses, like the, the, the Rona right now. And how do they do so is they don't profit based off the actual virus itself. They profit based off the fucking vaccinations. Because whenever, you know, they invest in the cure for the, for, the, for these viruses... And whenever the vaccination is discovered, these people that fucking use the vaccination, you know, they got to pay for that shit. Obviously, we're in America. Though you got to fuck it. You better hope you have enough money to pay for it. But unless the conspiracy theories are true, in which case the the, pop, the, the vaccinations are going to be mandatory, I don't fucking know, man. Like I said, that that that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother podcast. We're going to remain singularly focused here so we can get to a more important point outside of the conspiracy theories. And it's the answer that I actually gave my students to this question. I'm just continuing to try to set it up a little bit more. Okay. Uh, Anyways, this Bill Gates character gets fucking paid. People like Bill Gates who invest in the in the vaccinations, they get paid every time a vaccination is used. So the idea is that these fucking viruses are planned just fucking for profit. Okay, which you know. I'm not going to say that it is, but I'm definitely not going to say that it isn't. I have a whole fucking podcast dedicated to talking about this very shit. It's called Prison Planet. I believe it's El Grito 32 or something like that. So if you don't fucking believe me, just look into the term Prison Planet. Listen to my old podcast and see what the fuck it is that they're talking about when they say this shit. When they say Prison Planet, what they mean is like, yo, people like you and I, everyday, quote unquote, normal people like you and I. We're nothing to these elite fucking rich fat cats. You know what I mean? We're essentially cattle that they fucking utilize to advance their own interest, whether it be financial or other. So the idea that they wouldn't fucking create this epidemic in order to profit off of it, you can't just fucking dismiss it as being patently absurd because there does remain the possibility that maybe that is exactly what the fuck could potentially happen. At at, at least once in history that we know of, for instance, with the Tuskegee experiments where they fucking said they were going to give black uh, the black community, for instance, cure for the flu. But in reality, they just ended up infecting them with fucking syphilis. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, uh, in that respect, that's where a little bit of the conspiratorial thinking can start to come into play, but. Where I try to take it with my student, however, is from a more uh, in the class, because it was a live lecture. So there was more than one student there, is from a more pragmatic, if you will, sense. And that was just the basic question of realistically, remember, this this naturalistic fallacy, but the obverse of it for some reason, where the naturalistic fallacy, just to reiterate, is going to want to state that we can't uh, we can't assume, if you will, we can't uh, we can't ascribe to the laws of nature. It's like way of fucking trying to avoid the natural law theory in human discourse. Okay, but at the same time, this fucking natural, uh, this this natural uh, this this natural law, uh, this appeal to nature, rather, I'm sorry, fallacy does run afoul of the fact that we are. I, I, uh, absolutely! Fucking in, in intertwined with nature. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're not removed from the natural processes of the world, let alone the universe. We're fundamentally a fucking part of it. Our only fucking, our only, uh, uh, the only thing that makes us uniquely different. And the reason I'm scarequoting it is because it's actually a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. For those of you watching along the video, this book right here, "The Conspiracy Against the Human Race," is our quote-unquote gift of consciousness. Okay. And it's this quote unquote gift. The book itself is going to want to say curse. I'm going to remain completely fucking a neutral in this, whether it's a gift or a curse consciousness. That is you can decide for your own, right? But it's just our consciousness that is, that uniquely makes us different in the sense of being able to realize. And, and from there uh, assume that we are removed from the natural world. Okay. But in reality, we're 100% fucking entrenched in this bitch. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes shit such as global warming, such a, fucking important issue. Whether or not you believe in it, it's irrelevant. It's still going to come and get your ass. You know what I'm saying? Like The ice caps are melting. The sea levels is rising. Whether or not humans are contributing to it is completely fucking irrelevant. It's not going to stop the fucking waters from overtaking all the low-lying cities along the coast of the world. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the water is going to be like, oh, wait, Florida? Florida, you all didn't believe that fucking global warming was man-made. So we're going to go ahead and spare Miami. No, that's not what's going to happen. Whether you believe in it or not, Fucking the ice caps are going to melt. The earth water is going to continue to rise. And that's it. That's fucking done for. No more Miami, no more uh, New York City, and so on and so forth. You know what I'm saying? And the reason that I use this particular example is because, well, you start to see that even if it's not fucking a result of human behavior, which I would say that it probably most likely is... It's still not going to spare us. These natural these natural calamities are not going to spare us. Okay, and let's say that it is, just as the science con- the scientific consensus does state, a result of man made actions. Okay, let's just go with it because that's nine out of ten, probably even more nine out of ten of scientists that are going to say, yeah, it's man made. You know what I mean? Uh, global warming, climate change, uh, uh, carbon emission, all that kind of stuff, directly influenced by humans, dating back to the industrial revolution. Okay, so let's go with that particular uh, particular instance we start to see how our actions, our behaviors are not only starting to affect the external world, but how the external world in turn is starting to respond to our existence. What do I mean by that? Like, yo, let we're completely over... I don't want to say overpopulated because even then you start to ask yourself, well, who shouldn't be populating? If you ask me, white supremacists. Let's start with the white supremacists. Let's depopulate the white supremacists, okay? And then from there, we'll take it to any other ethno-nationalist and try to get by from there as, as as cohesively as possible. That's a little joke. Ha ha. Just in case anybody's fucking listening to this and be like, oh my God, he's calling for the white genocide. No, bitch, calm the fuck down, right? It's just a joke. Um, the point that I'm trying to say, though, is that let's, I'll use a deer example, the deer, the deer population. Uh, this is an, this is a, a, a argument in my ethics class that, you know, many students occasionally find themselves uh, very passionate about because it, it involves animal rights. You know what I'm saying? And that is whether or not people should be allowed to hunt for their food. And when it comes to the deer population, the example that I'll give to them as to why you should be pro-choice as to hunting uh, is because, well, for one, the deer are going to die anyways. Okay. And if they didn't want to be killed, they shouldn't have been made of food. Secondly, but perhaps most importantly is that when people don't go off and populate or rather control the populations of deers, inevitably something is going to, like an apex predator of a bear or a mountain lion, okay? So then, of course, you got to ask yourself, do you want to be living in a community where bears and mountain lions are living? You're out there trying to walk your your, your dog, maybe even your child, and all of a sudden you got to contend with a fucking a, a brown bear, a puma, whatever the case might be, right? But also, more importantly, even if the natural predators don't get a hold of them, disease Famine and starvation inevitably will. Nature will cull the fucking populations on its own because deers, like humans, live on a finite fucking plane with finite resources. Meaning the strong will undoubtedly survive. The strong bucks and the strong does will inevitably make it for another year. But the weak, the sick, and those who were just all around unable to procure the resources necessary for survival they're going to die from lack of starvation, or rather from lack of food, and because of starvation. And even the one, and because of this, they're probably going to uh, find themselves in a situation where they're already compromised. Maybe they're older already, and their immune systems are already compromised. And if there's too many of them, diseases start to form in order to lower the population. This is found all over fucking uh, the the natural world. It's followed all throughout the, the history of the hu- of just existence in general. I want to say just the human race, right? But just all over the history of just life on earth, you could see this very trend continuing to occur over and over. Where there's too many people, the fucking inevitability is that we're going to start leading to changes that are going to potentially uh, be in our disinterest, going back to uh the 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 coronavirus yo with climate change you don't even need fucking let's assume let's assume that the fucking conspiracy theories turn quote unquote conspiracy theories turn out to be false and that the rona is in fact a man made or isn't rather a man made disease okay fine that's not gonna stop the ice cache from melting and revealing all the fucking ancient epi- or all the ancient diseases that we currently here in 2020 aren't immune, for, aren't immune to from fucking overtaking us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, again, more fucking, uh, instance of how this natural world. We're con- we're constantly, uh, competing against it. Right. And our continued quest for survival. So it doesn't even need, rather, I should say, to be a conspiracy theory that someone did uh, make the coronavirus because nature is out there constantly, constantly developing its own viruses. And I don't want to say like it's a conscientious attempt to try to eradicate human existence. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't fucking know. Okay, I'm not going to say that it's a conscientious attempt by nature to do so. I'm just going to say that it is undoubtedly something that people have been dealing with since the fucking humans first gained the quote unquote gift or curse of consciousness. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the route that I started taking in with my student on that particular lecture. Okay. Um, now, rather than go off into the tangent of why or rather what that I it is that I continue to discuss in that particular lecture, I think a more important thing to do at this point is to ask ourselves a very, very, very serious question. And it's probably going to be a very, for many people seemingly, <sighs> I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be gratuitous. I'm not trying to be fucking edgy, nihilistic edgelord. Okay. I am just trying to be a fucking philosopher. And as a philosopher, I have to question every single premise, especially as a skeptic like myself, a radical skeptic, no less. You know what I'm saying? I have to question everything, every supposition, every fucking belief doesn't matter. I cannot leave any stone unturned, if you will. Okay. so. Because of this, as I was preparing for this particular podcast, one of the stones that I did not leave unturned was a simple question that, again, for many might seem obvious. And the question was, is population control really a bad thing? Now, for many of us, the simple answer, and I would perhaps even go so far as say the unreflective answer is an automatic, of course it is. Of course population control is a fucking terrible thing because life is intrinsically valuable, quote unquote. Because, you know, the idea that there's this fucking group of people in control that are actively choosing who gets to live and who doesn't get to live is fucking evil. Like, you know, just, I would say that that is probably the first, if not only, response that many people are going to have to this question of whether or not population control is even a bad thing. And to be fair, I don't entirely think they're wrong. Why I don't entirely believe that they are right in saying that population control is a bad thing is because uh, I've never really thought about it too much until, well, relatively recently. Um, I've thought about it in the past, but my initial reaction was like, yeah, who cares? Because I'm just going to be honest with you all. Maybe you've gathered it via the, the, the course of this podcast, but I just don't really care about many things, right? Unfortunately, um, for better or for worse. And I, I think to myself, as long as it doesn't affect me, this is me trying to be as honest with you and possible as possible in terms of uh, understanding where my faults lie as a human being. And my fault definitely is that, oh, man, I just sometimes I don't fucking really care about shit. You know what I'm saying? Like mass death and genocide. Uh, I care about the ones that are passionate to me, like the ones about the indigenous Holocaust here on Turtle Island. But outside of those, I'm kind of just like, wow, that's shitty. That really sucked that that happened. I hope it never happens again but I don't feel the pang and the remorse the same way that I do when it comes to the indigenous Holocaust here on Turtle Island. I'm not saying that to be facetious. I'm not trying to be fucking upsetting, but I just ask you to consider yourself, to be honest with yourself, radical honesty. Do you really care yourself? I speak here, for instance, about the indigenous Holocaust, a hundred million people. And do you care in such a way that it fucking hurts you to the core, that it fucking burns inside of you when you think about it at any given moment, that it ignites it within you a passionate fire to want to undo all the injustices that have ever occurred at the hands of European people to the indigenous people and still continue to experience here on Turtle Island? Probably not, right? And, you know, I understand because it's, you know, there's so much. There's just so much. We, we become desensitized to it inevitably. I'm not saying that other Holocausts were good. I'm not advocating for them in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that as human beings, we are very limited in the scope of things that we are able to truly care about. Uh, on top of that, it's ver- the, the, what is it? The fucking uh, hedonics treadmill, man. It's very easy for us to just kind of become accustomed to constant fucking death and destruction, which obviously we are subjected to via the media at all times, especially now with social media, literally 24 7. If you want to, you could turn on your phone and you can see the old fucking journalism adage if it bleeds, it leads in full effect. In real time, you, you know, you turn on the news and all you see is fucking news of people dying, people at war, etc. You know? So after a while, I'll use the war example when I was younger, especially because now I don't even fucking, I don't even know they post these numbers anymore, but I do know that most people don't even care. Right. And that is of the troops who are dying overseas in, in the wars. You know what I'm saying? If you ask most people, they'll be like, damn, we're still at war. Yeah, dog. 20 years strong. Motherfuckers that are in the military now enlisting are old enough to be serving with their parents who enlisted when they were their own age, right? At 18 years old. Um, and you know, at first it was shocking when we'd hear the numbers of the soldiers that are being killed overseas, uh, 40 soldiers killed overseas in an attack, right? And then day after day after day of all these soldiers being killed overseas. So inevitably, people say, well, this is just what happens. We get accustomed to hedonic treadmill. This is what happens at war. Soldiers die. Like, What else is on TV? Are the Kardashians on yet? Whatever the case might be. Is Monday Night Football about to start? You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how it is with me in many instances. I start to realize like, yeah, I really, um, really don't care. There's just so much going on right now. I can't fucking concern myself about all this kind of shit. And if I really did truly, honestly care about it, I would actually go out of my way to do something about it, right? but I'm not. So I guess that leads me to believe, and I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. So it leads me to believe that maybe I'm just an evil piece of shit. Like I talked about, it, not just me, but you too. Okay. Like I talked about in um, my previous podcast and I have to accept that fact in order to try to become a more moral person or not. Because at the end of the day, I'm a fucking American and I can do whatever I want kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what I mean when I say that Like I just really don't care. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, This was prior, this was prior, of course, to, again, examining this presupposition. Is fucking depopulation actually a bad thing, right? Now, um, from a conspiratorial perspective, right? And even more hilarious from a fucking conservative conspiratorial perspective, because I think you'd be surprised how many fucking conservative people, they all believe in God. And it's all just this fucking giant fucking plan to keep people from God. I just blows my mind. Right. Um, Anyways, the point is that uh, it's not very. PC. It's not very politically correct, if you will, in the fucking conservative tradition and in the conspiracy theory traditions, which is fucking fine by me, because for one, fuck conspiracy theorists, okay? For two, I'm not a conservative, so I can give a motherfuck less. I'm not going to just say that depopulation is a fucking terrible thing, you know what I'm saying? Because it's what the chic thing to do in those communities is right uh, if you're a conspiracy theorist and you're hearing this and you're like oh man fuck this guy he ain't real yeah that's fine bitch i don't fucking ascribe to any particular ideology and conspiracy theories aren't any fucking exceptions you know what i mean um as far as the conservative is like who cares dog i don't fucking even care to address that shit from the fucking get-go right uh the chief reason being why is like it's not even an argument bro like who cares if fucking you know you got to assert the value of life in the first place in order to argue as to whether or not life is intrinsically valuable and without there to being some sort of proof of the existence of god to justify this exi- uh, this this viability you're pretty much fucking you're pretty much fucked in terms of doing so right and obviously as someone who outright rejects the existence of a abrahamic god that's not even an issue for me you know what i'm saying so the conservative one is like completely out the question anyways um to be clear that doesn't necessarily imply that I also support death and mass or fucking needless pain and suffering that's not what I'm saying okay I'm not saying that I actively again as I've already mentioned condone and endorse people who are out there trying to fucking make other people suffer who are out there trying to kill people actively and moss if i did i wouldn't be fucking talking about how upsetting the bill gates shit is i'd be like oh cool bill gates is out there killing people let's fucking support him like well obviously i kind of am supporting him now because i'm using microsoft word right and you're probably supporting him too because you know the phones and all that kind of shit that we talked about before i won't bother getting into it anyways the point is um it's not a matter of choosing sides, okay? It's just a matter of simply acknowledging that I'm not convinced that the end of all human life in general is a bad thing, okay? And here's where this book starts to come into play. It's a very, very, very pessimistic book. Now, for those of you who aren't watching on the YouTubes or along on the video, you'll notice that I did a scare quote. So for those of you listening, when I say pessimistic, I'm scare quoting it because I think, pes- I don't think, I know pessimism gets a very bum rap. And the reason I think pessim or that I know pessimism, I should say, gets a bum rap is because most of us quickly ascribe pessimism to some sort of life negating philosophy which it is okay but it's not life negating in the sense that i think many people have come to falsely understand right the best way that i can say this from um <laughs> not just a pessimistic stance but also an anti-natalist stance uh the antinatalism here being the idea that you should not have kids that bringing more kids into this world is just a terrible fucking idea uh we'll take it first from the from the elementary level which is the environmental ethics, which states that essentially bringing more kids into this fucking dying earth is akin to having children on a ship that on a ship that's sinking. You know what I'm saying? Like this bitch is going down and it's on fire and you're bringing more kids into it. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay. But taking it from a more real perspective from antinatalism, just to quickly reiterate, is coming from the idea of, yo, all that needless pain and suffering, emotional turmoil that you've gone through questioning the existence of God, questioning the viability of life after death, questioning whether you're real or a robot, whether this is all a simulation, the anxiety, the dread, the despair, all that shit that you've dealt with, congratulations, you just pass it on to a child, your own child, no less. What the fuck's wrong with you? Right? The selfishness, like how could you possibly do that to something that you supposedly love? You know what I'm saying? So that's where the antinatalist part comes in. And then from the antinatalist part, it builds up to more a grander sense of the pessimistic, the misunderstanding of pessimism, where people are going to want to say, okay, well, if you fucking so angry and bitter and uh, hate life so much, why don't you just fucking kill yourself and get it over with, right? To which the simple response is like, okay, calm the fuck down, Mussolini, okay? This is not fucking... Uh, life fascism here, okay? Where you're either on pro-life or you're fucking against pro-life and you should just kill yourself and get it over with, right? Fucking love it or leave it type shit. <laughs> Calm down, okay? You can be against fucking the idea that life is an intrinsically valuable thing. You can be against the idea that existence is a fucking blessing and still enjoy your existence. Okay. Without having a rush to fucking end it in order to fucking appease people who don't understand what pessimism or antinatalism is truly trying to say, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm going for it. And it's kind of where this book is, 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 uh, is going, is getting at as well. All I'm saying is that, you know, you we like to assume because many of us have never questioned that life is intrinsically valuable that life is quote unquote good we like to assume that anything that goes against that in turn is immediately bad such as depopulation and the fucking outright extermination uh, one way or another of the human race whether it be by fucking robot overlords whether it be by aliens whether it be by just plague natural plague you know what i'm saying a fucking asteroid hitting the earth yellowstone exploding all of which are fucking you know on the radar of scientists at this very moment like this is very possible and i've already talked about it before that at this point like what the fuck are we even doing to try to avoid it well to be fair to be fair i did read an article on science alert recently that stated that scientists are working on ways of redirecting asteroids, okay? But if the most conservative uh, estimations are to be believed, it's about 10 years before we're able to even have the technology available to us where we can do so, okay? Uh, So at least in that respect, at least they're working on that. You know what I'm saying? As far as Yellowstone is concerned, I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck we can do about a super caldera from fucking keeping it from exploding in a deadline, which we're living in a timeline in which we're living in that it's scheduled to do so. Like, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I hope they're trying to figure that shit out because that's fucking terrifying. But if not, like, yo, that shit's going to blow one day or another. And if whether it's in our lifetime or not, it's it's slated to be a big one, you know what I'm saying? Where the possibility of the extermination of the human race could potentially, uh, is foreseeable, you know what I'm saying? And let's assume that it doesn't happen anytime soon, uh, within the next billions of years, the sun's still going to explode, you know, just a quick reiteration, just so I can continue to inform my ideas as to why I don't think fucking, de- uh, the outright extermination of all human life is an entirely bad thing. And if it does explode, And we haven't managed to get off of this fucking rock because we've been so busy fucking with other seemingly non-important shit, then it doesn't matter who fucking cares because human species will inevitably come to an end. And that's all she fucking wrote. You know what I'm saying? And again, like I'm stating, I'm not entirely convinced that it's a bad thing. Okay, it's an inevitability at this point, as I've just fucking highlighted. Okay, so I realistically don't have any reason to believe otherwise from at least a scientific perspective. But let's take it from less of the rational scientific perspective and let's engage it from an emotional level, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Um, From an emotional level, you have to realize that, yeah, obviously it sucks. I don't want fucking all that shit to occur. I don't want it to go down in the worst case possible scenario. But it's still not gonna stop, it's it's still not gonna stop fucking people from dying. Like inevitably, people are going to die, you, me, everyone we love, all that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? It's an inevitability. So from an emotional level, like I can I can appease to it, I can try to plead to it and hope that it's not gonna inevitably occur, but eventually it will. At which point we ask ourselves, okay, seriously, at, at what point is a quote unquote mass extermination of the human species an actual travesty? Is it when it's, let's say the 40 soldiers who are you know being uh, murdered overseas, who are being killed overseas? Is it when it's 100,000 or yeah, 100,000 people, somewhere like that, uh, who are dying of a current pandemic? Is it when a fucking asteroid hits, the typical heap versus pile, and it takes out half the human population when the volcano explodes and it takes out the other half of the human uh, population? like When do we start to care about it? This is going back to the point that I made earlier about the genocides and the Holocaust. Yo, history is fucking replete with genocides and Holocaust. Which ones do we care about? Which ones do we not care about? Which ones do we privilege? Which ones do we not privilege? And when we start to say the ones that we do, we're immediately shitting on the ones that we don't. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you, we're all guilty of this same fucking mentality. And yet for some reason, we choose to fucking immediately discount the idea that life is not intrinsically valuable and that depopulation potentially is a good thing because it runs afoul of this belief that we have, many of which of us have not even questioned, that life is intrinsically valuable, that life is quote-unquote good, that consciousness is a gift as opposed to a curse, that life is fucking terrible as opposed to life is good, that fucking existence, that life is not intrinsically valuable, and so on and so forth, Okay. Now, you don't have to agree with me, okay? You don't have to agree with me. But at the very least, I ask that you at at least entertain the thought that life itself uh, is not necessarily the cause of suffering, but it is what facilitates suffering, right? Because in order to fucking suffer, you have to be alive to do so. So in that respect, life is essentially kind of the facilitator of suffering. Now, to be fair if you are a Christian person, or if you have been you know, raised with Christian values, even if you don't fucking practice Christianity or identify as such, you probably don't think suffering is a bad thing. In fact, you probably think suffering is a good thing. You'll say to yourself like suffering is good, it strengthens the will, some shit like that, right? But one thing to keep in mind is that this idea that suffering is good, I'm not saying that it's not. But Again, I, I, don't, I shouldn't even have to qualify this, but I'm also not saying that it is. And the reason why is because while I personally do uh, admire, value, and even seek to engage in many acts that bring me suffering for the overall benefit that they, you know, ultimately surviving them, I should say, uh, in the most fucking loosest way possible, fucking uh, 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 gives us the strength that it gives us, I should say, like lifting, lifting weights, man, fucking working out sucks. It just sucks. Period. Okay. And I fucking hate doing it every day that I'm going to do it. Even the day before I already start dreading it. When I fucking wake up in the morning to get ready to work out, I'm fucking dreading it. I'm literally fighting myself, fucking tooth and claw to avoid having to go work out. And yet by sheer fucking will of force, I absolutely force myself to do to, to at least go. And then when I'm actually there, man, that shit sucks, bro. Fucking lifting weights is fucking a pain in the ass, right? And of course, typical egoistic fucking meathead schlup like myself, I want to lift heavyweight. And you might I know you might not be able to tell, but it's true. And I could be content with just continuing to lift lightweight, but of course, I want to keep lifting more because I'm vainglorious and I'm competitive and I want to compete with not only myself, but other people around in the gym. And You know, doing so requires fucking hard exertion on my behalf, which instills a form of suffering. It's like, fuck, I'm causing myself to suffer needlessly, right? It's that great meme that says, why do I work out? So I can be in physical pain as well as existential pain. You know what I'm saying? That kind of shit. But uh, so the point is, I'm trying to say is like, in that respect, yeah, I do appreciate suffering because it does yield Overall gains in not only just physical strength, right, like the actual age, but in the will, like it gains the strength of your will to be able to know that when difficult shit occurs, yeah, you have the fucking fortitude, the resolve to be able to overcome it. Um, but on the other side, uh, I recognize that you know the idea that suffering is good—that's uh, unique. Not I want to say uniquely, we're not the only motherfuckers that figured it out, but it's a very Christian-centered view of the world, and there are other You know, cosmologies, if you will, indigenous ones, for instance, that say, dude, life is not all suffering suffering is just a fundamental component of life along with not suffering joy peace love it all flows in this effervescent circle if you will where it's just a bunch of different experiences not competing with one another but things that just occur at given moments and because of that like you just embrace the suffering the same way that you embrace the non-suffering you know what i'm saying as opposed to this other one that states that you're all of life is exist uh, of suffering and that you're going to go out of your way to fucking try to overcome it or be subsumed by it, right? Typical darwinism type shit. Um anyways, in what I'm trying to say then in regards to this particular argument about, you know, not just pessimism but suffering and the reality of life and all that kind of shit. Uh it seems as though when it comes to life, most of us, most of us, right? We kind of just again, we just assume that life is intrinsically valuable and the reason here being is because we don't want in many cases to at least entertain the possibility that it might not be. We don't want in many cases to fucking entertain the possibility that all this suffering is for not. Like literally you're suffering for no reason. Okay. And we definitely don't want to entertain in many instances the idea that the only reason you are fucking suffering for nothing is because you're alive and that you know, a simple solution to that is to just stop fucking existing, stop continuing, right? The existence, not only of yourself. Let me be very clear with that. This is not a fucking plug for fucking offing yourself. Just so we're clear. Okay. I'm giving you the fucking argument here, but also at a larger scale, the entirety of the human species, because again, in order for suffering to be had, there's got to be life in general to facilitate it, and that's where the argument. I'm not gonna lie. I'm only like, I'm. Ba- I'm not even halfway through with this bitch yet. This book right here, The Conspiracy Against the Human Race. Okay, but that's the central. That's the fucking. That's the central gist so far, right? They're saying we should start to work. Like we start to realize that, yo, this the crown that we, well he's gonna call it the flower of philosophy is the realization that life is intrinsically value less that it's meaning less doesn't mean it's a bad thing okay in fact he's going to go so far as to say that Camus only kind of got it right that it's even far beyond what Camus said because Camus, we're going to examine it here shortly what he does well i'll just tell you now it's called zombification essentially or there's a fourth level to it. I can't recall the fourth level. I didn't prepare for this particular part. I'm kind of just going off memory. I will though at a further level. But uh, essentially what the fourth level was is that we just recreate works of life in, in, in terms of art and that we personally view these works of life facilitated or uh, filtered through artworks as being deep and profound, kind of like Camus, the myth of Sisyphus, when in reality, it's doing nothing more than appeasing, self-aggrandizing the people who created them in the first place, as well as the people who engage in them. Because we think to ourselves, I'm good because I've read the myth of Sisyphus type shit. You know what I'm saying? But that's a different material for a different lecture for now, or a different podcast rather. For now, the point that I'm simply trying to say is that, As far as this book is concerned, uh, this suffering, man, when it comes to life, like we're, you know, many of us are just kind of responding out of this default mode, okay, that we've never actually paused to consider and that most of us are stuck here because, you know, whether or not we're we're stuck in this position as to whether or not we want to even think about whether life is a good thing, Uh, despite the fact, despite the fact that many of us didn't ask for it okay now i say many of us because there are obviously religions who who say uh that second. apologies but there are religions that you know believe that we are avatars that they are avatars right the hindu religion immediately comes to mind so they did choose they did choose to be born right but aside from that the rest of us we didn't have a choice we're kind of just saying that life is quote-unquote good, that consciousness is a gift, despite the fact that we didn't fucking ask for either one of them. You know what I mean? We're kind of just thrown into this world where the Geworfenheit, to use the Heideggerian language, okay? Um, the thrownness of reality. We didn't ask to be born. We didn't ask the parents that we have. We didn't ask our sexual orientation, our gender, our ethnicity, none of that shit. We we're just fucking thrown in this bitch. And now that we're here, we're kind of held hostage and told to say that we fucking enjoy it because doing so upholds this charade for all the other people who are pretending as well in order for them not to have to confront the fact that maybe life is a bit overrated. Okay. That maybe consciousness is a bit fucking overrated. That's the conspiracy of the human race. This idea like, what the fuck? How is, how is this, this thing this consciousness, an actual gift, when inherent with it comes the realization that no other animal likely has on this planet, and that is that we're going to die. And the ensuing fucking feelings of fear, dread, anxiety that come with that realization. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? We didn't ask for this gift, and now I'm being held hostage to say these things just to appease people who feel otherwise, these optimist folk. No, thank you. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, we assume that life is good, okay? But again, as I've already stated, as any good philosopher can at least admit to, we have to examine this presupposition. We cannot just build an argument off a baseless fucking argument or, or premise rather that we believe to be true off intuition. That's fucking terrible, terrible philosophy. And in order to try to you know, establish some uh, credence as to why life is intrinsically quote unquote good or valuable, we have to examine the presupposition that life is intrinsically valuable and quote unquote good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And without doing so, we're being very philosophically disingenuous. We're being terrible philosophers, if I put it fucking bluntly. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, we have to, you know, at the very least, at least come to the realization is that, yo, it may very well be That not only is life not any of the aforementioned, but that reality in general is fucking absolutely absurd and it's fucking horrific how absurd it is. Okay, I mean, if you ever just pause to consider, I mean, I I guess at this point I should be very I'll I'll try to offer a little bit of fucking positivity because despite. Despite what you may believe, not just from my previous podcast and post, but also maybe from this par- particular podcast, I'm not an outright pessimist. Okay. I'm not an outright pessimist. And I'm also not a fucking uh, outright optimist either. Right. And I'm definitely not an antinatalist, but I'm also certainly not against antinatalism. What I am saying simply is that we start to, when we start to, question these these presuppositions that we have we start to reveal to ourselves more fundamental elements of reality that you know could potentially it's my hope for you definitely uh but it does absolutely for me help me feel a little bit more at ease right the the horror if you will c- confronting the horror of reality helps me feel just a little bit more at ease with reality in general how does it do so because it makes me realize like yo whether or not this consciousness is a gift or a curse is irrelevant. It's fucking different. That's all I know, right? There's a great quote that is supposedly, supposedly attributed to this Emil Sioran character. I'm sure plenty of people said it before him, after him, without ever having read him like I did. You know what I'm saying? But um the, the quote that he the, the idea is summarized by his quote, which is a beautiful quote. So I'll still, you know, I'll use I'll use his quote to demonstrate the idea and that it is that existence is banishment and nothingness is home. What does that mean? How does it parlay to this discussion we're having so far? It's simple. Whether or not consciousness is a gift or a curse, I don't fucking know, man. What I do know is it's different and that it's fucking finite, okay? Um, meaning that what ideally is the infinite is the nothingness from which we emerged from. Okay. Uh, where we were before we were born and that what is infinite is the nothingness to which we are heading after death. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, whether or not what happens in the middle consciousness, life is a gift, a curse, whether it's good, bad. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I just know that it's different. You know what I'm saying? Um, And at the very least, we have to at least examine this fucking, this, this idea in order to have a true, true answer to the question as to whether or not depopulation is a good thing. You know what I'm saying? As to whether or not fucking life is intrinsically valuable, because without doing so, we're just not being philosophically, we're just, we're, we're being, we're not being good philosophers. Okay. So, um, (laughs) I ask again, pragmatically, is life really valuable? Is depopulation, more importantly, really a bad thing? Okay. Now, of course, I might think it's a bad thing for my life to be depopulated, the life of my loved ones to be depopulated, But after that, and not just me, obviously, when I say me, I mean, we, those of us who are listening to this, how far does our concern really, truly go? Like, just be honest with yourself. You know what I'm saying? Um, For me, I'm going to stop probably somewhere near my near family. Outside of that, like, yeah, it's like sad. Like, oh man, that sucks. Another one bites the dust type shit. Do not go silently into the good night, right? Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee type shit. You know what I'm saying? But do I really fucking care? Like in the way that I would care if one of my loved ones were to die? And the answer is no, of course not, right? And I think you'd be a fucking a liar if you argued otherwise. You argue that every time you open up the fucking newspaper, if you will, is how old I am, right? I'm dating myself here for those of you who have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But uh, you'd be a liar if you opened up the obituary section in the newspaper and fucking felt the same pain and remorse uh for some random person that you see that's being, you know, eulogized as you did for, you know, a, a family member like come on man be honest with yourselves you know what i'm saying um and because of that again i'm just i'm not convinced that these things are right because of the fact that i think that suffering is needless suffering man needless suffering a bad thing i don't i don't necessarily think that the outright you know um ending if you will of the human species this grand cataclysmic event is a bad thing it doesn't mean that i want it to happen it just means that you know shit that would fucking suck but realistically like maybe there'd be some benefits from it it's right now the eco-fascism that's currently emerging um because of this coronavirus it's called eco-fascism but again i'm just like (laughs) I i don't really think that's a bad thing man right When uh, people were showing how much life, uh, wildlife has returned to the world in light of how fucking little of an impact humans are having on it, because we've been socially fucking isolated, like uh, that's just that's that's kind of what I'm talking about here, man. Like, yeah, it's bad for human beings, but that's a very human-centric narrative of reality. Like, there's fucking the world is going to benefit from humans not being here. It's already benefiting now, right? You see the climate in China, for instance. That was uh, so heavily influenced by all the industrial pollution, until the coronavirus hit and it got locked down, and fucking suddenly the the skies got clear, the swans returning back to fucking the the canals in uh, uh Venice, all that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? And that's where my argument is coming from. Just to be explicitly clear. Um, so yeah, I'm what I'm trying to say further is that simply arguing that quote unquote life is good without first questioning the premises. Uh, that lead to this idea is just, it's philosophically unsound. Okay. And in order for us to say for sure that it is good and that in turn depopulation is bad, we have to absolutely examine these premise because again, we just cannot build argument based solely off intuition, right? Now, obviously um, in terms of this coronavirus situation, uh, I know one thing for sure, Okay. And that is that as unquestionably tragic as it is for us as humans who are alive right now, it's ultimately going to be met by the cold indifference of the universe that we're living in. Okay. Now, let me just take a second to uh, uh, unpack, if you will, what this idea into essentially entails. And it is the belief that, listen, man, either we are alone in this universe or we are not alone in this universe. There's no fucking ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no in-between. It's the law of excluded middle and classic logic, Okay. Either we are the only sentient beings in this universe, or at least one other sentient entity exists, in which case we are not the only fucking sentient being in this universe. And potentially there are infinitely many more. Okay. Now, if we are the only sentient beings in the universe, we occupy a very, very small space in this fucking infinitely vast expansion. Okay. And in this infinitely vast expansion, the coronavirus is occurring solely on this one planet, on this quote unquote speck of dust to quote the the great Carl Sagan that's just floating around in endless nothingness, okay? Meaning everything outside of planet Earth can give a motherfuck less about what is currently happening with the coronavirus okay there's fucking galaxies that'll swallow our galaxy whole black holes that'll swallow our galaxy whole out there you know what i'm saying that fucking black hole don't give a fuck about the coronavirus it don't give a fuck about the people who are living inside the galaxy on the planet in the solar system if you will on the planet that the coronavirus is living in it's just doesn't. It. it's it, it's inconsequential okay that's the cold indifference of the universe that we're talking about furthermore um you have it in terms of a historical epoch this is going back to the idea about you know that i was discussing earlier about the genocides and all that kind of shit like yeah dog genocide fucking is terrible it's sad but you know a hundred million people is a lot of fucking people and when is the last time you saw american history books talk about that fucking never okay Maybe it's a conspiracy to keep the, the brown people of this continent from, from knowing the real facts that, you know, that led to their being here in this, quote unquote, United States of America. Maybe it's because the people who wrote the textbooks just don't give a fuck, right? They don't give such a fuck that they decided not to even put in the fact that 100 million people were killed on this continent alone. You know what I'm saying? Where is the fucking Russian genocide that occurred during World War II? that killed so many more people than that they did in the in, in, in the German uh, concentration camps. You know what I'm saying? It's not an argument for the Jewish Holocaust. Of course not. It's just simply stating, like, in terms of numbers, yeah, 6 million is a lot of people. But 100 million is a fuckload more. You know what I'm saying? Um, So w- when you start to realize that in the 20 years, when the history books are being written about the current events right now, certain parts are going to get left out certain people who died from the coronavirus their plight is going to be left out if you ask me personally probably going to be the poor people and the people of color right their stories that led to why they fell victims to the fucking coronavirus are going to be left out. They're just going to be said a statistic, a number. They're not going to talk about the failure in the fucking infrastructure that led to their fucking uh, uh, demise. They're not going to talk about the lack of adequate health care, the lack of health care, period. They're not going to talk about the. Well, maybe they'll talk about the lack of preparation of this country. You know what I'm saying? But the point here is that inevitably, if the human species does, which I'm pretty sure we are going to make it through this coronavirus situation, It's going to be a footnote in history. Inevitably, it's going to be a fucking question on a test that some high school student didn't fucking prepare for and thus fails. You know what I'm saying? Like, cold indifference of the universe and the unrelenting march of time gets us all is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? And to say that life is intrinsically good and valuable in the face of this, chances are, chances are, like I said, I didn't plan for this part particularly because it's a great part. So I'm going to get back and refer to it later, but it's probably because we're just beholden to one of the four uh one of the four um n- n- reasons why this author gives as to why we just assume so one one of it being zombification okay and zombification is essentially the idea that we're just not really paying attention to what's going on we're so fucking uh rather than confronting the true horror of existence we'd rather you know distract ourselves with shit like coronavirus memes like me me personally right <laughs> now um yeah, with that said, let's see about how much time I got left because I don't want to be fucking overburdening you. Oh shit, I'm running up on the minute mark. Let me get through these really... Uh, the hour mark, I apologize. Let me get through these last couple slides quickly and state that... Mm, no, I, I I think I can fucking hold off on this one. I'm just going to be overburdening you all with this fucking coronavirus talk, but I apologize, okay? It's just uh, at the risk of sounding too fucking um, celebratory. There's no reason for me to be celebratory, right? But epidemic uh, instances rather like global fucking this is a monumental moment in history is what i'm trying to say and these monumental moments in histories are fucking a philosopher's playground is that you know to try to put it as kindly as possible not because i enjoy what's happening but because it could be examined from so many fucking different perspectives to which i have another here that i was going to try to talk about but i think at this point i've done a sufficiently well enough job of explaining at least the pessimistic underpinnings of this uh coronavirus Uh, and as well of taking up your precious time. So with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day whenever you're listening to this night. And I hope to see you next time for our other grito. Until then, peace.